Praise the Lord. Amen. Hope you're encouraged. Hopefully that was refreshing to you. And uh, now we begin the prayers for the pastor to complete the 10-minute sermon. Amen? All right, let's get, that, get those prayers rolling. Here we go. Uh, we are in Matthew 21, Matthew chapter 21, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 11. And obviously it'll be in a very abbreviated sermon on the triumphal entry of Jesus. But pay attention to the Word of God as we read it, starting in verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you. Immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. And untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Zechariah saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they put them on their cloaks and they sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road and the crowds That went before him and followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowds said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, what a good word. What a good word. Lord, would you speak to us through this word? Jesus, we love you. We are so humbled to be in your presence. You've been here with us in these baptism testimonies. Our hearts are touched. Our minds are open. And Lord, we just want to hear what you have for us. Lord, this powerful and somewhat strange coronation of a king, this entry into Jerusalem, God, may you use it to speak to our hearts to grow us in our faith, and Lord, for some in here to save us from our sins. We pray that you would work in our lives, in Christ's name, amen. So we are continuing our sermon series, uh, Countdown to Easter. It is Holy Week, Good Friday, just five days away. We'll be here again Friday night, six o'clock. Hopefully all you guys can join us. It's going to be a very, very powerful service um, together. And then Easter Sunday, next Sunday, and my sermon this morning is the king's coronation. The king's coronation. Jesus' coronation, otherwise known as the triumphal entry, is in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. Passover is quickly approaching. The city is swelling with people. Some estimates are that there were 2.6 million people in Jerusalem and the surrounding area at this time, coming from here, there, and everywhere. Some estimates of Jesus' entrance into the city as the conquering king, the coronation of the king, 200,000 to 400,000 people came, and they all lined in Enola Avenue. I want you guys to think about that from a Des Moines metro perspective. It'd be like the whole metro proper coming to Indianola Avenue to watch a guy and have a parade. All right, that was what this was about. 
Jesus came in and it is a very powerful thing. In fact, John 12, 17 tells us that Lazarus, the people who were seen and witnesses of Lazarus' resurrection, they were in the crowd telling people as Jesus was coming in, they were telling them about Lazarus raising from the dead and saying, this is the Messiah, this is Christ, this is Jesus, this is the Savior of the world. Now, the big idea this morning is that the coronation of King Jesus is both powerful and strange. Okay, it's, it's powerful, it's a little strange too. Because Jesus is initiating his own coronation. He's riding in on a donkey, for goodness sakes, as if that couldn't be more weird. He's riding in on a, on a donkey and it's a spur of the moment event. And Christ comes in and people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's strange, but it's also very powerful. And if I could say something to you about what real Christianity is, genuine biblical Christianity is always powerful. Amen? And it's always a little strange. Amen? Like if you're measuring your Christian life out and all you have is like strange, 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 you need to revisit your Christianity and get balanced because you shouldn't be strange all the time, okay? And if you're also measuring out your Christian faith and all it is is power and victory and power and victory and power and victory, you should also stop and revisit your Christianity because genuine Christians should be a little weird at times. Amen? You've got to walk a little different. Now, what is the makeup of this powerful and strange coronation of Jesus? I'm going to give you three elements quickly of Jesus' coronation as he comes into the city. One, he is... The first element of his coronation is impeccable preparation. Impeccable preparation. Jesus tells the disciples, go into the village and immediately you'll find a donkey and you'll find a colt. Take those donkeys and bring them to me. That is impeccable preparation. That's like me telling you, go walk through Easter Lake or Riverwoods neighborhood and find the dog and bring the dog to me. You know, like, how weird is that? Which dog? The dog. You'll go and find the dog. And you'll bring the dog to me with its mama, okay? Because that's what he's saying. His specificity is amazing here. Jesus is beginning to flash his deity and his divine knowledge and his impeccable preparation. Jesus was preparing, as he did throughout his life and ministry, way ahead of time. Jesus was way ahead when the winds and waves happened. Amen? Jesus was way ahead when the feeding of the 5,000 happened and the feeding of the 4,000 happened. Jesus was way ahead of the woman at the well in John 4. He knew all about her. He knew how many men she has had in the past and she knew who she was sleeping with now. Now, that's pretty specific knowledge. Jesus is an impeccable preparer. He always is prepared. And he said it this way in John 10, 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. He was prepared to lay his life down. No one took his life from him. Jesus was prepared to lay it down. Later on, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Satan, Peter, has demanded to sift you like wheat. How would you like to be on the receiving end of that sentence? Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. I've prepared for this moment. And when you've fallen and after you've fallen, rise and strengthen your brothers. Jesus is immaculate in his preparation, which shows you that he's God, right? 
It shows you that he knows. Let's make two applications and move on. One, if you're a Christian, you came in here with circumstances. You came in here with trials. You came in here with growth challenges. Jesus knows about them. He's prepared you for them. You're like, I don't feel prepared. He's prepared you for them. Jesus is impeccable in his preparation. He has prepared you to not only get through them, he's prepared to walk through you, walk walk with you through the trial. So I want you to be encouraged, Christian, whatever you're walking through right now, Christ already knows about it. And he's already ready. He's already has it prepared to help you get through it and give you grace. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus yet, you're here by divine appointment. You're lost in your sins. You watched all these baptisms. You think all that is a coincidence? You think watching these testimonies and hearing these tearful testimonies of life in Jesus is all just an accident? No way. Jesus has you here to save you. You might as well get saved this morning, right? It's a good morning to get saved. Jesus is impeccable in his preparation. That's element number one. Now, element number two, Jesus is initiating in his love. He initiates his love. Verse four, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on a foal of a beast of burden. Jesus' powerful and strange coronation, his triumphal entry, involved this element of initiating love. Jesus comes and he is riding on this donkey. This is a prophecy from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Isaiah 62, verse 11. And so this prophecy says this, your king is coming to you. Your king is taking the initiative. Rare is the king that comes to you. Can I get an amen? Rare is the human king that will come to you. Now, I told 830 services, and I'll tell you too, I'm kind of a big deal. Amen? I'm kind of a big deal. You're like, no, you're super arrogant. No, I'm kind of a big deal. I held the door for Governor Reynolds last night. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. We're at a gala last night. I held the door for Governor Reynolds, right? Shockingly, Governor Reynolds did not come to that gala to see Josh Daggett. Can you believe it? I mean, that's so crazy. She came for other reasons. The governor doesn't come for you. You go to the governor, right? The king doesn't come to you, but wait a minute, wait a minute. The king of kings comes to you, church. The king of kings is coming to you. God, not some human president or dictator or governor is coming to you. That's cool. No, the God, the king of kings, the God of the universe is coming to you and me. Sinners as we are, can the news get any better? God is taking the initiative. He is taking the step towards us. And Zechariah chapter 9, it's not in Matthew 21, but in Zechariah 9, it says, your king is coming to you and salvation is in his hand. Powerful. Jesus is coming. He's taking the initiative. He is waking up this crowd to salvation. They don't deserve it. The Pharisees don't deserve it. The religious leaders don't deserve it. The disciples don't deserve it. But this is the initiating grace of Almighty God coming. He is coming to you with salvation in his hand. Listen, God always takes the first step to save sinful humanity. 
He always takes the first step. Every single time. That's why it's grace. Amen? It's unmerited favor. We didn't invite it. We didn't ask for it. We didn't look for it. God initiates the first step. Romans 5.8 says, But God commends his love towards us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. When did Christ die for us? While we were still sinners, Christ died. God commended his love toward us. John 15.16, Jesus said it this way, You didn't choose me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit. Jesus, this is the beautiful reality of grace. God initiates gracefully his salvation with us. Behold, your king comes to you. Now, do we respond? Yeah, we have to respond with faith and repentance, of course. But God takes the first step. Now, how is he coming? He's humble. He's mounted on a donkey. What is this king? He's a humble king. Jesus rides on a donkey at his coronation. Now look, when Solomon came along in the Old Testament, he made horses kind of the big deal, right? Horses. You get a bunch of horses in Israel, not donkeys. Horses are what Roman emperors came who were conquered. They come in the white horse down the Roman colonnade, right? They celebrate their big victory. That's what a king does. Jesus is going to be riding on a white horse. Can I get a witness, right? When he comes again, he's coming on a white horse. What's he look like in this passage? Donkey. Donkey. Beast of burden. And not only just some donkey, but like the lowest and youngest, like the, the, the baby. And the mama has to ride beside the donkey because 200,000 people freak a little baby donkey out, right? Like the baby donkey's not going down that road without mama donkey right there. And Jesus comes to sinners by riding the lowest and youngest of animals. These donkeys were overlooked and underappreciated. Jesus was overlooked and underappreciated. Mm. Christians, real quick, some of you need to just pause here. Jesus in your life, Christian, is overlooked and underappreciated. And that needs to change this morning. Jesus initiates love, and it's powerful, and it's wonderful. Finally, the third element of Jesus' strange and powerful coronation is this impassioned crowd. The crowd, they spread their cloaks on the road, and they cut branches and trees, and they're shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest. The crowd is full of passion. I mean, they're excited. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks down here. Now, the spreading of coats on the ground was a sign of submission, according to 1 Kings 9.13, right? of, of submission to a conquering leader. But also the palm branches, the, many commentators say that the palm branches symbolize Jewish national pride. I don't know. I, I tend to think maybe they were, it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment event. I just kind of think they looked up and said, branches, let's just do it. Let's cut it down. I'm a lot more practical thinker. Like, I think they were just looking for whatever they could put down in front of them. So Jesus, no red carpet, coats and branches is what he got. And this is a typical crowd mob situation that you would find today, very similar to what we would have today in sports gatherings, religious gatherings, political gatherings, and entertainment gatherings. 
Okay, so, you know, when a crowd gets big and gets excited, it kind of gets weird, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, things start flying around, beer cans start going, you know, like there's a lot of crazy yelling and things like that. Things got out of control, and crowds are just kind of dynamic, you know? Like, you never know when a crowd gets together and the electricity's really high, you never know what people are going to do. Can I get a Will Smith amen? Come on. i I've been waiting two weeks to share that. I was like, I need a spot. Here it is. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Certainly, many of you have watched your sports teams. And when your sports teams are doing great, it's, oh, it's eternal life. And when they're doing bad, it's like, I want to, I want to be gone. I just don't want to see this anymore. You get how crowds are. So many times I've watched the Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> At home and uh, elated one moment, ready for purgatory or something after that. Like, I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I don't even believe in purgatory. I'm not even Catholic. But like, thinking about it sometimes, you know, when I watch the Hawkeyes play, like, this is suffering unlike anything I've ever known. And And my kids are always so good for me, like, Dad, you're being ridiculous. It's a game. And I've quit on that team so many times only to watch them win a game, you know, or then I'm really hopeful and then they crush my soul. That's how crowds are. Crowds, they were caught up in the moment. They were excited. It was a very simple, victorious solution that they wanted from Jesus, just overthrow Rome. This is very exciting. And it it got more worked up as the size of the crowd grew up. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna. Hosanna which means save now. This is certainly what the crowd wanted. And then you get this massive crowd of people and they're filled with all different kinds of of people. So you have genuine believers in this crowd. Peter, James, John, the disciples, Martha, Mary, Lazarus. You have all these people that are genuine followers of Christ. And then you have a whole host of false believers who just, they love the good times. This is good times. Then you have a bunch of confused people who are just like, I don't, what? Why are we, what? Big crowd, who's this? What's happening? I'm trying to process and then the religious leaders, they were angry and jealous. The, they were the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes. They, the whole world's going after him, according to John 12. But Jesus absorbed this impassioned crowd and he received the worship, but he didn't give the crowd what they wanted. He didn't come for the applause of the crowd. Jesus did not come for chants of worship. Jesus didn't come for the glory of 400,000 people. He came to save sinners from their sins for all time. So he looked past the surface of the crowd and he said, I came for the cross. Jesus still does that today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus saw through the noise of the crowd and said, I've got to go to that cross. Because people need to be saved more than they need political victory in the moment. So Jesus did not come to make everybody healthy or wealthy or prosperous. Jesus did not come to make every dream come true. That's Disney's job, amen? Jesus came to die on a very bloody cross for you and me, for our sins. So he finished this march, this victorious march, and it was powerful. And it was also very strange. 
So as we close, I'm just going to close our service together. I want you all to stand up, and I just want to talk to you for a couple minutes, and then we'll dismiss. Jesus' coronation was both powerful and strange. Impeccably prepared. Initiating in his love and dealing beautifully with the impassioned crowd. Where are you at with Jesus this morning? It's a good question. You've seen all these baptisms. Amazing. But what are you going to do? Do you believe in Jesus because he's giving you good times right now? Because he seems to be the favorable person to follow right now? Or do you believe in Jesus because you know he died on the cross for your sin? That's up to you to respond. By God's grace, may you respond with faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful picture of the gospel this morning. Baptisms were so beautiful, so powerful. Lord, your word, watching Jesus triumphantly enter into this city, going to the cross on Friday. Lord, very powerful to us, very strange too. But Lord, we see the glory of who you are in it. And Lord, I I would pray for every believer to trust you, that you're on time, that you care, that you're at work, and that you're going to bless them. And Lord, I pray for every non-Christian that this might be the morning for their salvation. Lord, we're going to give you all the glory. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful coronation. May we crown you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you guys are dismissed, we hope to see you good Friday here, 6 o'clock. May you be blessed and may you have a great day. You're dismissed.